I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading from Job, Job chapters 35, 36, and 37. A man named Elihu is speaking here. He began his monologue back in Job chapter 32. It's the only time we actually hear him speak. And today is a continuation of his monologue. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Chapter 35, verse 1. Moreover, Elihu answered and said, Do you think this is right? Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? For you say, What advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your companions with you. Look to the heavens and see, and behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? Or if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man such as you, and your righteousness a son of man. Because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, Where is God my Maker, who gives song in the night, who teaches us more than the beast of the earth, and makes us wiser than the birds of heaven? There they cry out, but he does not answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the Almighty regard it. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him, and you must wait for him. And now, because he has not punished in his anger, nor taken much notice of folly, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain, he multiplies words without knowledge. As I mentioned, Elihu began this monologue back in Job chapter 32. Now, don't you just hate it when somebody argues with you by misquoting what you said, and then attacking you on a point that you didn't even make in the first place? Well, that's exactly what Elihu has done in chapters 33 and 34, and now he's at it again. In verses 2 and 3, he seems to suggest that Job had indicated his righteousness was greater than that of God's. Well, Job never said that. He also seems to suggest that Job had included the concept that sinning was no big deal in these two verses. With those inaccuracies as his springboard, he continues his condemnation of Job, a condemnation which, by the way, is basically misdirected because Job never said that either. He tops it all off by dismissing Job's monologues completely in verse 16 when he says, Therefore Job opens his mouth in vain, he multiplies words without knowledge. That seems to be the inflammatory equivalent of, Job, you're just blowing hot air. Make no mistake about it, Elihu is not part of the solution here, but he's a very, very confusing part of the problem. Then we wonder in chapter 36, Elihu, how arrogant can one person be? Verse 1, Elihu also proceeded and said, Bear with me a little and I will show you that there are yet words to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words are not false. 
one who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the oppressed. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings. For he has seated them forever, and they are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, held in the cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgressions, that they have acted defiantly. He also opens their ear to instruction, and commands that they turn from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures." But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the word, and they shall die without knowledge. But the hypocrites in heart store up wrath. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life ends among the perverted persons. He delivers the poor in their affliction and opens their ears in oppression. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place where there is no restraint. And what is set on your table would be full of riches." but you are filled with judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take you away with one blow, for a large ransom would not help you avoid it. Will your riches or all the mighty forces keep you from distress? Do not desire the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, do not turn to iniquity, for you have chosen this rather than affliction." Behold, God is exalted by his power. Who teaches like him? Who has assigned him his way, or who has said, You have done wrong? Remember to magnify his work, or which men have sung, every one has seen it. Man looks on it from afar. Behold, God is great, and we do not know him, nor can the number of his ears be discovered. For he draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from the mist which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of clouds, the thunder from his canopy? Look, he scatters his light upon it and covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges the peoples, he gives food in abundance, he covers his hand with lightning and commands it to strike. His thunder declares it, the cattle also concerning the rising storm. And look at verse 4. Elihu says, For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Who is he talking about here when he proclaims that Job is in the presence of someone with perfect knowledge from God? Well, Elihu is referring to himself. Does this guy have an ego problem or what? Well, we know from Job chapters 38 and 39 that his words aren't any more correct than those others who spoke to Job. Come to think of it, I've met this guy, so to speak. He's the would-be counselor who can't get his own affairs in order, but is determined to blast others with advice. Look at what Elihu says in verses 11 and 12. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Now that's the same lame incorrect theology that has dominated everyone's thinking up to this point, all the counselors, and that is that God rewards righteousness and punishes evil. Therefore, Job, you must be evil. He obviously knows no more about God than Job's three friends. Oh, one more thing. Job's three friends were satisfied with hitting Job with innuendo and glancing blows, but not Elihu. He goes right for the throat. Look at verse 17. He says, 
You are filled with the judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. I mean, let's face it, Elihu is right in Job's face right here making incorrect accusations. Well, Elihu can go on, can he? Let's look at chapter 37, verse 1. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole earth, his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it a voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth, likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength. He seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain in their lairs. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind, and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds. And they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them. On the face of the whole earth he causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? Why are your garments hot when he quiets the earth by the south wind? With him have you spread out the skies, strong as a cast metal mirror? Teach us what we should say to him, for we can prepare nothing because of the darkness. Should he be told that I wish to speak? If a man were to speak, surely he would be swallowed up. Even now men cannot look at the light when it is bright in the skies. When the wind has passed and cleared them, he comes from the north as golden splendor. With God is awesome majesty, as for the Almighty we cannot find him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant justice. He does not oppress. Therefore men fear him. He shows no partiality to any who are wise of heart. Well, Elihu just spends this chapter waxing eloquent on the power and qualities of God. He's definitely in Job's face. Look at what he says in verse 14. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now here's this young man spouting off and calling Job by name in his monologue. However, there's no news here. It's worth noting the last verse of this chapter, verse 24, where he says, Therefore men fear him. He shows no partiality to any who are wise of heart. This seems to be another obvious dig at Job and his perception of his own righteousness and wisdom. Now, here's the mystery about Elihu's six-chapter monologue. He's no more correct in his assessment of Job's situation than Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar. Yet, in chapter 42, verses 7 through 9, those three friends are required to offer sacrifices before Job because of their part in scolding Job with bad counsel. We see that in chapter 42, verse 7. Now, Elihu was equally as wrong, but no such mention of consequences is made regarding him. Why? Well, I don't know. To me, it seems impossible to vindicate him based upon an analysis of his words in these last six chapters. He argued the same incorrect points as did the others. 
Now, let's consider a couple of possible answers to this question. First of all, maybe it was because the three friends verbally attacked Job over a period of time. Perhaps it was over weeks or months. While Elihu gave only one speech just before God speaks in the next chapter. But here's a second possibility that, well, that I like a little better. Maybe Elihu was employed in some way by the other three to reason with Job. You know, a professional mouthpiece, so to speak. He doesn't introduce new concepts in his speech. He just restates in different words what's already been incorrectly stated by the other three friends. If he's serving as an agent of the other three, then that would explain why he doesn't seem to be held accountable in chapter 42 by God right alongside the three friends. Well, whatever, two things are certain. Number one, Elihu misspoke. And number two, no mention is made of repercussions against him by God for having done so. Well, hang on for the correct assessment of Job's situation because God begins speaking in Job chapter 38, which is our reading for tomorrow. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.